Grace, mercy, and peace to you from the Holy Trinity. Amen. So here we are, the second Sunday after Easter, the second Sunday of Easter, and we've just come off this kind of roller coaster of Holy Week, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and then the great vigil celebration with incense and lilies and shouts of Alleluia, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, Alleluia. We had a week of senses, a week of tears, a week of tasting bread and wine together, a week of feeling each other wash our feet. A week of hearing silence on Good Friday. A week of touching the cross. A week of hushed voices in anticipation. A week of candles, seeing light, feeling their heat, and smelling the beeswax. A week of new fire and the smell of burning wood. A week of baptism, feeling the life-giving water of Christ as we finally sang Alleluia. A week of the smell of flowers and the taste of Holy Communion. It's sort of like a meal where you eat just a little bit too much. And this week is that point where you kind of start to digest everything. And you get a little bit less full. I mean, you're still satisfied, but you're just kind of sitting there. The ham has been put away, and the potatoes are gone from the table, and you just have the memory of them. Not the physical, sensory presence and experience of that delicious ham. And so here, we also have the end of John's Gospel that we just heard, And John's gospel is a gospel that's full of tasting and smelling and hearing and touching and seeing. It's a gospel of the senses, a gospel of what it means to experience faith fully as human beings who are made to experience God and creation as fully as humans can, that is, in a sensory way. So we're at the end of the gospel that we just heard, and Jesus has been resurrected, The disciples are locked in their house out of fear, and Thomas happens to be without them. Once Thomas finally gets back from wherever he was, we can only speculate about that and about what he was doing, like buying more groceries for the other disciples who were too scared to leave. Uh, But when he gets back, the other disciples tell him excitedly that they've seen the resurrected Christ. They proclaim that they've seen Jesus and that he is alive. Now, I think this is often where we get kind of caught up in a story that we've fabricated out of tradition and myth. Myself included, we like to call Thomas Doubting Thomas. We think he has little faith because he must see and touch the risen Christ. We assume that he's kind of an inferior disciple because we don't hear much about him, and when we do, it's only in John's Gospel. However... Thomas's adoration and trust in his teacher runs deep and strong, strong enough that we learn he wants to follow him even to his death earlier in the gospel, even when the other disciples aren't really all that sure. So I think it's only natural that Thomas reacts with a little skepticism, or maybe realism, when the other disciples tell him that they've seen Jesus. After all, Thomas has just seen his good friend nailed to a tree and put in a tomb, John records the events surrounding Thomas first with the other disciples, whom Jesus appears to and shows his hands and his side. He lets him experience that he's risen and is indeed alive. He dispels their fears from the get-go. Jesus takes the initiative here and lets them see him. Thomas isn't so lucky to get in on this. So once he's finally back with his friends, they've told him what they've experienced, and he wants to see it too. It's understandable that he asks for what the other disciples have already experienced. He wants that human, sensory relationship with his friend and his teacher. 
And I bet he's probably pretty disappointed that he wasn't there in the first place. Thomas, the one who was just a little bit too late and wants to see for himself, tells his friends that, that he wants to see. And sure enough, Jesus once again comes to the disciples, and this time Thomas conveniently is with them. Jesus once again comes and offers himself to Thomas in the same way he did to the other disciples before. And Thomas is finally able to experience the risen Christ. And in his experience, he's finally free to proclaim his faith in the Christ who lives. He finally is able to say, my Lord and my God. Both powerful statements on their own. But put them together and we have a proclamation of the entire gospel. Jesus as risen Lord and risen God. And then the question is, how do we stay excited about the risen Christ? Especially when we can't be like Thomas and the other disciples and see Jesus or touch him or experience his physical presence. How do we stay excited about the risen Christ in an Easter period that's 50 days long when we have genuine questions about how this whole thing happened? How do we stay excited when we've been told far too long that doubt is the opposite of faith? It's not, by the way. How do we stay excited about the risen Christ when people close to us have died? How do we stay excited about the promises of the resurrection when our psyches are stuck in Good Friday most of the time? When we feel stuck, stuck in a cycle of overwhelming work or in a period of questioning or even unbelief. Thomas was stuck and now we're stuck with all the things that hold us back from experiencing the resurrection and we're stuck with Jesus' rebuke of Thomas. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. It doesn't seem like such great news for those of us who are stuck or those of us who have doubts. But maybe it's not so much a rebuke of Thomas and us as it was of Jesus' way of delivering the good news to people Maybe it's not so much condemnation of one disciple in the first century as it is refreshing words of assurance for multitudes of people. In John's community, like in ours, we don't have the ability to put our hands into Jesus' side or trace the nail marks in his hands. And so we're left like Thomas, wanting to experience the living Christ, wanting desperately to taste and see, but not able to. So Jesus reassures us Blessed are those, happy are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Jesus reassuring words that even if we are not able to experience Christ fully for whatever reason, we are still blessed to be able to have the faith enough to believe in his life-saving and life-changing death and resurrection. Jesus comes to us telling us that it's not inappropriate to want what Thomas and all the other disciples wanted. It's natural. It's human, to want to know, to taste, to touch, to see, to smell, to experience. And so Jesus gives us a promise. We are blessed as people who live in the resurrection victory of Christ, that we believe without seeing. We're a people that are in the here and now of God's glory, but it's not fully realized. We're not fully in the sensory experience in the kingdom of God, but we do have a taste We have a taste every week in the table where we do get to experience the risen Christ in the bread and the wine, in the body and blood. 
We do have the gospel to hear the experience of Christ Jesus. And because we have those things, because we live into the resurrection hope of Christ's return, Thomas's words can become our words. My Lord and my God. Our Lord and our God. Amen.